It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, we are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Riddell, PFN's fantasy football director. And with me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst Tommy Garrett. And joining us today, PFN fantasy analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz, K-A-T-Z. Uh, There are two ways to talk about waiver wires on a podcast. This is Tuesday. We do care about waivers. We're all in leagues, just like you. And one way to talk about it is the boring way, the obvious players. Uh, We know Aaron Jones is out for one to two weeks with an MCL sprain. So, you know, go get A.J. Dillon. We're not going to waste your time for 10 minutes uh, telling you to go get A.J. Dillon. Uh, You don't need to hear that. You know already. Devontae Smith and Hunter Renfro are high-end WR3s but are unrostered in about 15% to 25% of leagues. You don't need our word. You see that they score. You see they're getting a large target share. Of course, they should be picked up. What you do with them is your business. So today we want to look a little bit deeper at the tougher questions, the type of questions that make us a little bit puzzled and maybe make you a little bit puzzled so we can talk in real time with you about what our decision-making process is. Do we add these people off waivers? And if so, why? I'm going to start with Tommy right now, uh, going straight in with Ramondre Stevenson. You have an article out on PFN coming out today, I believe, Tuesday or maybe tomorrow morning, Wednesday. Uh, what are your thoughts on Stevenson in light of Damian Harris's injury, in light of Stevenson's incredible performance last week? What's your bullishness level? Uh, Stevenson, Stevenson's interesting. The issue is always going to come back down to what the heck are the, the uh, New England Patriots going to do with running back? Comes out there, he has a solid week, 20 rushes, gets 100 yards, finds the end zone twice. Uh, but the question is, when you bring Damon Harris back in there, given how well he played, and we talked about this earlier in the year where when Damon Harris had those injuries and he also had the fumble issues, like they could have easily brought in Stevenson and used him during that time stretch. They opted not to. Um, I think if, if they end up do getting back Harris, which might not happen because they do play on Thursday, Stevenson would be a, a must-start uh, going against the Atlanta Falcons this week in a game where I think they're probably going to blow him out. Um, once he does come back, once Harris is cleared off concussion protocol, I don't think it's going to go back to just a pure Damian Harris backfield. I think Stevens has done enough to deserve some extra carries throughout the season. He might get a little more work in the passing game because we've never seen Damian Harris be that kind of guy, so kind of be rotating a little more with him and Brandon Bolden. Uh, so, yeah, I like Stevenson uh, as much as someone can in the New England Patriots backfield. So, yeah, I think he's worth the addition. We'll kind of see what's going to happen moving forward. Katz, it's, if your best running back, number two running back is Mike Davis, and we'll get to Davis later, uh, and you have a chance to trade and, you know, some of your bench strength, and you can get either Damian Harris or Amandre Stevenson, who would you rather have, not just for this week, but looking ahead to the rest of the season? Is there someone you trust more, or is it a coin flip? I think it's very much a coin flip. Bill Belichick has been very unpredictable with his backfield going on you know, 10, 15, almost 20 years now. Stevenson showed out very well last week. Tommy went over his stats, his performance knowing that he has that kind of ceiling and that kind of upside, it makes him someone that needs to be on your roster because at the very least, you know that if Damian Harris is out, Stevenson has RB1 upside. 
So for that reason, uh, if Stevenson is out there, you should go get him and at least stash him uh, in the event that Harris gets hurt again. As of right now, the latest news on Harris, and I don't know when you're all listening to this or watching this, but on Tuesday, Harris did return to practice. I don't know what level of participation. He has not yet cleared the protocol. If he does, it'll really confuse things for what happens Thursday night. Uh, but regardless, you definitely want Ronda Stevenson on your roster uh, for the future. And knowing how Bill Belichick operates, I would be surprised if Harris even does come back on Thursday. This is a game the Patriots should win against an undermanned Falcons team. They've proven they don't need Harris. I wonder if they'll play it safe. I'm also going to point out a huge mistake I made earlier this season that in hindsight, three weeks later, looked smart. But I was pushing. I wrote a piece called uh, Add Add Ramondre Stevenson ASAP. Uh, it came out in week seven. And, and PFN published it. I'd been with the company about three weeks. I was very excited about this, you know, great prognostication. And then a day later, Stevenson was declared inactive. And I just thought, well, clearly I, under, I, I overestimated Stevenson's value on this team. But to your point, both of you, this is what you get with a Patriots running back. Um, you could get a great game, and then you could get a game that has gone. Who was it, Jonas Gray, a few years ago for Belichick? Or the oh, please, please. That, that gives me PTSD. Mm-hmm. I was knocked out of the playoffs in, in one league that year because Jonas Gray dropped 40 points on me. I don't want to remember that. Wow, I'd love to devote the whole rest of this episode to Jonas Gray, given just the impact it would have on Katz in his first podcast appearance in some time. But I will save our listeners and Katz uh, from that horror. Uh, moving on, uh, we're going to Katz first this time. Dante Foreman versus Adrian Peterson. Katz and I have a piece out on profootballnetwork.com uh, where we do a little point-counterpoint uh, where uh, I take one side and he takes the other of which running back is more valuable. Um, to some of you, the answer might be neither. Please move on, in which case you can press your uh, advanced 30 seconds option on your uh, – phone or a computer for the next uh, two minutes. But those who are interested, uh, there could be some value here, some RB3 value if you want to be sneaky and uh, get someone who no one's talking about. So what do you think, Katz? Talk me down from my opinion. Who do you like in this backfield? I'm not so much as super into Adrian Peterson here. It's, it's more of just before the game on Sunday, we saw reports that Deontay Foreman was going to be more involved and possibly could be the lead back going forward. And yes, he did lead the team in carries, but he only played one more snap than Peterson. It was a relatively even distribution uh, between Peterson, Foreman, and then a little bit of Jeremy McNichols. So I'm not sure if Foreman is, is really taking a step ahead of Peterson. Remember, this is also a guy who was out of the NFL until week, he was just signed by the by the Titans. So this was his right. second game back. He's 37 years old. He needs some time to get reacclimated. That's right. Yeah. And, and I do believe from what the Titans have shown us that Peterson is going to be the goal line back. So particularly this week against the Texans, they could have a real opportunity for him to fall into the end zone once or twice. And that's really what it comes down to. You're not going to get any sort of big time receiving production from any of these guys, even though Foreman did have two catches for 48 yards last week. That really was more of a fluke. I don't see that going forward. Peterson actually ran three more routes than Foreman. So what you're looking for is the touchdown upside. And for whatever that is worth, uh, Peterson has that. Very good. I like that analysis. Tommy, do you have a a player in this fight or do you feel like this is a waste of a conversation? 
That's not a waste of a conversation because someone's going to emerge as the top running back in an offense that's absolutely on fire right now with uh, with Tennessee. Uh, Foreman on the field looks like the more explosive back. Uh, I think it, that was pretty evident. Even like we're saying the the snap the snap care and the carries and all that stuff weren't exactly like too split or too skewed one way or another. Uh, I think there's there's a point to be made about Adrian Peterson just needing a little bit of time to get ready. Um, I think you, you can say the same thing with Foreman. Uh, he does look the more spry player. Like he's got a little more life in his legs, but it's it's hard for me to ever to deny what Adrian Peterson can do because I think mean, he's one of those like superhuman players. Like, and I, it's it's so it's I'm never going to count him out. I don't love anyone in this backfield. They're all going to be in that running back three kind of range on the high end. Uh, so I think it's going to come down more to just who do you think is going to get those red zone looks. If Peterson ends up getting those red zone looks like we see this week, then I think we might end up shifting more back towards him. But it's it's an interesting one to watch. And I think it's where we're getting to point to where in, we are in this year where it's things are just more interesting than I think they're going to be impactful. Mm, that's a good nuance there. Interesting more than impactful that we could we're scraping around the edges of six to eight points. Uh, is what I'm hearing from Tommy, but we're not really getting to the guys who are going to help you win your league. Tommy always has a way of sharing something that is poetic, um, which uh, I don't know if you mean it to be poetic, but that is, uh, I think. I usually just start sentences and I don't know where they're going to end. So I just kind of, it's a journey for me the whole way. I think a lot of poets write the same way. So keep it up, Tommy. That's uh, fantastic. I I will say this, uh, Adrian Peterson, his last 16 games, averaging less than three yards a carry. Um, I think we've seen guys like Todd Gurley, uh, the just released Le'Veon Bell, others when they start to decline, uh, the, the, the breaking tackles starts uh, to stop, um, the burst to get uh, to break through a hole in the line um, is a little bit slower, uh, it, being able to turn a corner is a little bit more difficult. So you start to get in these situations, and I feel that Adrian Peterson is at that point where we have seen the best of Adrian Peterson of the last two years, and it was two years ago. We've seen the best of Adrian Peterson in the last one year, and it was a year ago. I don't think he's getting better. I do agree with you, Katz. The goal line is is the X factor. And if you're looking for a desperation goal line you know, carry, Peterson has the edge. I'd still rather hang my hat on Foreman. If you, if you have a roster spot to burn – Foreman's available in most leagues, and I think he's he's the guy to roster. Uh, Wayne Gallman and Mike Davis in Atlanta. We're going through some painful decisions here, and maybe this is also interest more than impact. Uh, back to uh, uh, Tommy's uh, uh, phrasing. Uh, what do you think, Tommy? Do you think that uh, Wayne Gallman has a chance with Cordero Patterson likely out one to three weeks, playing as soon as this Thursday? Is Gallman? Who was the the you know the backup to Saquon Barkley last year did much better than I expected. I was and I'll be very honest when I'm wrong. I was wrong about Wayne Gallman last year. I thought he would be at 3.5 yards a carry, and and he was about 4.4. He was very adequate as a backup. Do you think it's possible for him to do that in Atlanta, or is this also a backfield to avoid? It's it's not a great one. The only the Cordell Patterson is one of the few bright lights of this fantasy season. Cause it's been a lot of just convoluted backfields and guys we thought were going to be big, all of a sudden kind of fizzle out to see what Patterson has done has been honestly incredible. And it's been one, like I said, a breath of fresh air. Um, Gallman might be that as well. Like it's, I know it's a little early, but like you literally benched Mike Davis at one point during that game to give Mike, Gall- to give Wayne Gallman all these carries. Um, like he played really well 
when he was filling in for Saquon Barkley last year. Almost almost 700 yards with six touchdowns on the ground. Hmm. You bring in Gallman right now, who carried the ball 15 times, like I said, for 55 yards. It's not going to be great one way or another, but I kind of like the matchup a little bit. New England, if they're going to stop you anywhere, it's going to be in the air. And like the, the cliche is always Bill Belichick takes away your top option. Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's Kyle Pitts. He's going to put 16 guys surrounding Kyle Pitts and, and let the Falcons try to beat him somewhere else. That might end up aiding uh, Dante, uh, sorry, Wayne Gallman a little bit this week. And then the Tampa, the um, New England Patriots, they're gettable. Like, I'm going to use air quotes in this one on the ground. Yeah. They're 20th yeah. in points allowed on uh, per game to opposing running backs, about 24 points in total. Uh, I think Gallman's interesting. Uh, it's a Thursday night game, so you kind of never know what to expect. You either get great performances or you get ones where it's like, okay, why did I mess? Why did I even mess with this? Yeah. The, f- the fear is that you, you walk away with yeah. six points from Gallman and you go, why why did I do that to myself? Uh, it's Kat, one thing if you- I was picking up like a guaranteed surefire, he's a great player, and A.J. Dillon. Like, it'd be one thing if the Green Bay Packers are playing on Thursday night and I know A.J. Dillon, locked in starter, fire him in. Right. But if I'm already risking my week with a Atlanta Falcons backfield committee, like, I don't feel as great about that. You don't want to have three bad nights in fantasy. Keep it to just Sunday if you can. Is is basically what I'm hearing from Tommy. <laughs> more more or less. Don't don't sure. ruin two nights a week if you can avoid it. Um, but to Tommy's point, it's a very strong point, which is that if you don't have a guy that you feel confident about on Thursday night, why not wait? You actually never know. And cats, I'm going to get to you in a second. I it, I, I just I, I feel this need to. You know, because I go through this, I think, all right, do I go for 10 points on Thursday or do I wait? Because on Friday or Saturday, there could be an injury. There could be some shift that happens. And immediately there's a guy on waivers I can pick up who's going to get me more points than the guy I could have played Thursday night. So if you give yourself those three days, you buy yourself time to find a better opportunity uh, instead of locking up a roster, a, a lineup spot too soon. Uh, and Kat, also but- never play your Thursday night players in your flex. Like, yes. let's just throw this out there, too. Always move yes. it back into your, your standard positions. Give yourself the flexibility later on in the week. Excellent. I agree with Tommy there. I, I don't understand the infatuation with, like, oh, I have to start Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams at the wide receiver spot. No, you order your lineup based on game time. Yeah. So even if it's 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock and Sunday night, order your lineup based on game time. We've seen this time and time again. You never know what may happen. And to BJ's point about the three extra days to give yourself uh, some time, I tend to err on the side of not starting guys on Thursdays, part of it's psychological because when they have that bad game, I got to stare at it for three days and that's really (laughs) frustrating. (laughs) But uh, there is an argument to start the guys on Thursday, especially in the new COVID world, because you just never know. Look what happened uh, last week with someone like Ben Roethlisberger. All of a sudden, if you wanted to stream James Washington, I know he scored a touchdown, but he certainly seemed less appealing once Ben uh, went on the COVID list. So you never know what could happen between Thursday and Sunday. At the same time, I find Thursday performances just tend to they tend to underwhelm. At least maybe it's my perception, but I'm I'm not uh, I'm not excited or urging to get a Thursday night player in my lineup, especially if he's a fringe guy like Wayne Gallman. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Uh, two things on that, uh, real quick before we move on, is uh, Devonta Adams and Tyreek Hill. That analogy of uh, the cats used of, of putting them in your uh, receiver spot instead. Like they don't care where you put them in your lineup, so they're they're not going to feel insulted if they go in a slot that that doesn't suit them. The point is, if you've got two one o'clock guys that you know you want to start, 
and Devontae Adams is playing at Sunday night football at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, then, then wait and put Devontae Adams in your flex because COVID world, anything else, you never know what's going to happen and you want to give yourself as many opportunities as possible to get the right person in there. I went through that. The other thing I'm going to say is I went through that on Sunday. This was a decision and, and hopefully this helped some of you out there because I've, I always feel like, and I think Tommy and Katz agree on this, if we're going through dilemmas, there's a good chance some of you are going through the same dilemmas because we're, we're all human. Uh, we, we study this stuff a lot, but it doesn't mean that we get it all right. And I had a case where after I, I have Kyler Murray and when Ben Roethlisberger went on the COVID list, I picked up Mason Rudolph uh, Sunday, Sunday morning with the uh, waiver wire. And I had a choice because I had Jimmy Garoppolo that I'd picked up earlier in the week in case uh, Kyler couldn't go. And I was going to pick, I was going to just start Jimmy Garoppolo. And instead I thought, well, what happens if I start Jimmy? And then Monday I find out he's on the COVID list. Now I'm done. I have no quarterback for the week. So I started Mason Rudolph, even though it was a worse play, arguably, because I didn't want to take the risk of something happening Monday. So for those of you listening, there is that thing of don't don't waste your time with a Thursday night game if you don't feel confident about it. And also consider the risks of waiting too long that you might not have that guy available in this new world that we live in. And we're going to get back to In the Mood for Fantasy Football Podcast coming up here in just a moment. But ladies and gentlemen, let's tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of In the Mood for Fantasy Football. And that is our good friends over there at X Chair. And ladies and gentlemen, if you need an office chair that is super supportive of positive posture, something that's going to be super comfortable when you sit in it, not to mention, what if I told you they throw in a massager and a heating element to it that helps you stay low? loose while you're sitting down in the comfort of your own home or in the office. X chair provides all that action for you. And as somebody who has had a lot of issues with sciatica and lower back pain over time, this has been something that has completely alleviated some of the pain that I've had. X chair is game changing and it is the ultimate office chair that you need in order to feel comfortable sitting at home or at work. And you can go to xchairpfn.com now. That's letter X chair pfn.com or call one 844 for X chair for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. X chair, PFN.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cam Newton, what a great story. We might all agree on this. I want to know how bullish everybody is. Cats, Cam Newton, is he, I'm going to challenge you. If, if right now, if he were your starting quarterback the rest of the season, would you feel comfortable with top 10 numbers? Or do you feel like that's a little bit bullish? Uh, and I've used that word three times today, so I'm going to stop uh, in terms of an assessment of what Cam Newton can do the rest of the season. I'll say it's a bit ambitious to say Cam Newton can be a QB1. But I think he can definitely be a high QB2. Tweeted out on the PFN Fantasy account a a little while ago that Cam Newton last season had eight or nine QB1 or QB1-worthy fantasy point totals. And that's when Cam Newton, he's definitely a shell of his former self. 
but it shows you the value of rushing in fantasy and what someone like Cam Newton can do. If he's just rushing for you know, 20, 30 yards a game and, and operating as the Panthers' primary goal line back. Uh, this week in a league where I, once again, am looking to replace Kyler Murray, I am putting in a waiver claim for Cam Newton, and I hope I get him because he is my top streamer this week. That's uh, that's a good endorsement right there. Tommy, what do you think? Are you on the same page? Are you a little more ambitious? Yeah, I'll give him high QB too. Because um, that QB 8 through QB like 14 in rankings, it's like yeah. the same guy just kind of just keep rotating in and out. It's like the Joe Burrows. It's the Tua's, Carson Wentz, um, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, like uh, Derek yeah. Carr even. Like yeah. that whole group of players, it's very it's just going to be what whoever's got the better matchup. You kind of rotate those guys. And I think Cam Newton will probably join that mix as well. Um, he's got a very solid uh, playmaking group around him. We know that Chris McCaffrey, they added the rookie and Terrence Marshall Jr. You've got Robbie Anderson, who they seem to be best friends. We'll probably touch on a little bit. And you also have DJ Moore. Uh, so you've got this plethora of talent around him that he didn't have in New England. Uh, he honestly, I can't even say he really had that when he was in Carolina, because I think even Robbie Anderson, that, that might that might make the Carolina Panthers wide receiver group, the best one he might have ever had. Um, so I think it's, he's got the skills. It's not, he, like I said, he is a little bit of a shell of himself compared to his MVP season. Uh, but that rushing upside, you can't deny it. We know what he can do in this offense. Like he played on nine snaps and got two touchdowns. Granted, that's a little ambitious to expect every week, but you know, the floor that he can bring with that rushing upside. So yeah, I, I like him dude. Uh, mid QB two to upper end QB two. Yeah. Fire it in. Very good. And now you, we've used ambitious three times collectively, so we'll stop using that today. Uh, I'd like to know a little more from you, Tommy, on Robbie Anderson, because among top 85 receivers, I looked up this stat about Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. entered week 10 as the 85th best fantasy wideout, and he had the second lowest uh, catch rate, which I thought was fascinating because his catch rate the last three years has been awful. Um, oh, it's, one of, he's a deeper A dot guy, so a lot of it comes down to how his, that, his usage. And that's completely fair. Throws. Completely fair. Robbie Anderson is the worst this year. He was coming in at about 38%. What is it? You mentioned best friends with Cam Newton. Was that a joke? Is there something you know that you can share? Should people be running to pick up Robbie Anderson? Because it seemed like he was done after the first few weeks of the season. Uh, for a while, it was, okay, you have DJ Moore and then no one else. And now right. it became no one else because DJ, DJ Moore hadn't even been productive over the last part of the season. Uh, if you look at what's going on with Robbie Anderson, like he throws the touchdown pass to Robbie. He gets, he ends up getting like six targets on the day spread out between Cam and PJ Walker. He had him up there on the press conference with each other. And they just seemed like they were, they seem like the chemistry is almost already there. And anytime you're, you're changing your quarterback position, it's okay. How long until these receivers get in, have the chemistry with someone else? Like what we're seeing with uh, Chicago and Justin Fields, he has that with Darnell Mooney where he's lacking it right now with um, Allen Robinson. So I wonder right now, honestly, like if we see what's going on with Robbie and he has this early chemistry and this early connection with cam, could we end up seeing Robbie Anderson, if not close that gap, potentially leapfrog DJ Moore? on this Carolina Panthers in the in the pecking order that's Carolina Panthers receiving group. Like I still honestly believe like DJ Moore is the by far more talented receiver. But I'm gonna follow the targets. And if DJ Moore is the one getting the targets, then I mean sorry, if Robbie Anderson is the one getting the targets, then yeah, absolutely. I think there's a solid chance to be made that he probably should be picked up off waivers. And uh, this preseason I had DJ Moore just ahead of Robbie Anderson in my draft board, which seemed a little bit strange. But last year, to your point, Tommy, Robbie Anderson had 18 more targets than dj yep. moore did 
and uh, had a terrific catch rate. He caught 95. It was a it was a 70% catch rate. He had a career coming in about 52% catch rate. He clicked last year, and mm-hmm. and DJ Moore didn't as much. And we've seen a complete reversal. I wonder if Robbie Anderson is a sneaky. He's probably available in a lot of leagues right now. And he could be one of those guys that he's a nothing to lose pickup who you put in your flex spot, for example, where if he catches on and this chemistry really takes hold, Robbie Anderson's a top 30 receiver. Uh, he's the number three option in a revitalized offense if we believe Cam Newton can get back to a semblance of his former self, which I think. Yeah, right now, will. Robbie Anderson's rostered in, in a little bit under uh, 40% of leagues. Well, there you go. So there's over a 50% chance, if you're listening, that uh, he's available. And if you're in 50 leagues, there's about a 500% chance that you can get him in at least one of those leagues. I'm no math person. Is that person. how that math works? I, it's something like that. We can edit it out at the end. Uh, Marcus Johnson. Uh, Katz, I believe you wrote about Marcus Johnson, um, if I'm not mistaken. I try to I try to keep track of what everyone here at PFN is writing about. And it's uh, it gets to be too much after a while because we're cranking out content left and right. But Marcus Johnson, Tennessee, I, I had Jeff Swaim as this uh, you know bargain uh, uh, going into week 10 because he caught four balls in two straight weeks. Julio Jones was out. And I felt that with a, a confused backfield that Swaim could step up. Swaim did step up, um, uh, not as much as I had hoped. He did get four catches again. But Marcus Johnson really stepped up. And my question for you, Katz, is what, is he someone that people should pay attention to? Or is this a case of some random player, no offense to the player, but from a fantasy perspective, a random fantasy player getting points, getting targets, and then you, you don't take the bait because you're just chasing points at that point? Marcus Johnson is an interesting one because uh, it's just he was a, an older 23-year-old undrafted free agent back in 2017 he barely played as a rookie with the eagles last john with the colts and i remember him from being with the colts i did not realize though that he basically toiled away in obscurity for another full year before he ever did anything then in 2019 he he had some moments he was actually playing as much as 90 percent of the snaps at various points in that season and he had a 100 yard receiving game and he flashed again in 2020 with another 100 yard receiving game uh, that type of upside doesn't just come along you know every week it doesn't mean that Johnson is any sort of incredible talent, but the fact that he's capable of having a 100-yard game, and now that he did it again last week with the Titans, it shows that there's there's not nothing. So there's there's something there, and the Titans have a gaping hole at wide receiver too. There is nothing behind AJ Brown, and to be perfectly honest, AJ Brown has not done much this season outside of three game a three game stretch. AJ Brown has pretty much been a wide receiver four at best. That even that's probably being generous. I think I I did this research for my article, and I believe AJ Brown had about I think it was forty percent of his receiving yards in those three games, and that's wow. that's just an astronomical number. Uh, Marcus Johnson, hundred yards last week, six targets. If he is the two there, they have they have no tight end that they use really. I know you mentioned Jeff Swain, but he's he's just a <laughs> shot. Don't knock Jeff Swain. <laughs> but Johnson could could easily be second on that team in targets, and yeah. that is definitely something worth taking a shot on if you need a spot starter this week, especially against the Texans. Or Great if you just need a wide receiver three, four going forward, that won't get you zero. I love it. Uh, Tommy, anything to add on Marcus Johnson? Do you have a contrarian view? No, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty in line with you guys. I think you're looking at someone who could be the potentially number two option on that team. Like obviously 
AJ Brown's going to get the the line share of the work with him putting Julio Jones on the IR. Um, Cats, to your point, I mean, like I said, you did talk about um, AJ Brown kind of being like a little bit of a shell himself this year. I think part of it has been the injury. He was kind of nursing back from those those hamstring injuries at some point. Like as you saw, it was both him and Julio Jones were out the one week, and that was the week where Jeremy McNichols kind of all of a sudden took off because they didn't have any other options. Uh, so it's you've kind of seen him kind of have these up and down games. I think it's going to happen with AJ Brown. But if you're looking for a, a reliable, potentially number two, because they don't have John U. Smith this year, who was a little bit of a safety blanket for Tannehill, uh, then yeah, Marcus Johnson makes a little bit of sense. I actually misspoke before. It is 66.8% of AJ Brown's receiving yards he had in those three games. Wow. Yeah. That's so it, yeah, even that's more than I thought. So, I mean, was, he had, oh, he had some of that against me. Um, in a week that I lost, it was a brutal, I tried, I, I, I was dangling a, a trade for AJ Brown and we couldn't quite make it work. Cause I thought, oh man, he's going to really go big today. And I, I didn't want to give up too much for him just for one week. And I, you know, I probably should have, cause that uh, I'd be doing better. Uh, uh, Tommy Ray, Ray McLeod Steelers, uh, you know, uh, Chase Claypool goes down. Mason yeah. Rudolph comes in. Uh, we all chatted on Slack. We all know each other's opinions on on Mason Rudolph uh, as a as a fantasy asset. Uh, clearly, well. Pittsburgh needs a franchise quarterback um, uh, next year. Uh, a, a, someone who can throw the ball downfield um, is Ray Ray McLeod. I mean, I, I know him in special teams. I know him as someone who has fumbled um, a higher percentage of time than a than a punt returner should fumble. Yep. Uh, but I did not anticipate in any way that he could be that competent a receiver. Um, is he best friends with Mason Rudolph? Uh, what's the, what do you know, Tommy? Is there anything, any, if you need a receiver right now, WR4, do yeah. you take a chance or is this just fool's gold? If I need WR4, I'm going to Chicago and getting Darnell Mooney, who's still out there in over half of leagues. Like, okay. To me, that's the easy one. Um, okay. I know he's got a role and he's getting chemistry with Justin Fields. And I think that's part of it with Ray, with, with Ray, Ray McLeod. You look at guys, all of a sudden they get their chance. Who's been throwing to Ray Ray McLeod this whole offseason, this whole season? It's probably been Mason yes. Rudolph working with the twos. Great point. So there's probably a reason why he all of a sudden had that chemistry with Ray Ray McLeod, why he threw that touchdown to uh, James Washington. He's known him since college at Oklahoma State. And then when Ben is working with Claypool and Deontay Johnson and Juju and all those guys, like there's not surprisingly these number twos are getting the reps together. They come in all of a sudden, hey, I know how he runs his route. He ends up getting 12 targets. Um, I don't think you'll see that again this season. Uh, he might end up getting like, you know, four targets a game or something like that which might be something, but I, I think you just saw the high watermark for him, obviously. Ben comes back this week, and I think it's pretty much going back to status quo with Deontay Johnson, uh, Pat Fryermuth leading the passing game, James Washington getting some, and then also with uh, Najee Harris working out of the backfield. Good stuff. I love that assessment. I was also surprised, by the way, that Najee Harris had only one reception in, I think, the first half of the Steelers game, and it seemed either that showed a great deal of confidence in Mason Rudolph's ability um, or it was odd game planning uh, for, you know, a quarterback who hasn't started a game all year to not take advantage or not be given the chance to take advantage of that kind of valuable commodity. Who's on I mean, the checkdown's always there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the quarterback's job to use it. You go back to look at Saquon Barkley. He has his massive breakout year with Eli Manning, who loved to check the ball down. You bring in Daniel Jones, who wants to all of a sudden push it vertically. Saquon Barkley lost the majority of his rush of his uh, receiving upside kind of the same thing there ben right now is checking the ball down the ball's coming out of his hands in less than 2.4 seconds per play which is over half a second quicker than the next closest person uh which is uh taylor heineke so you have that just this change in what a quarterback is 
capable of and what they're comfortable doing. Mason yeah. Rudolph felt like he could try to take some chances where Ben knows, take the available option. That's Najee Harris. Very and good. Also, uh, there's also ahead, uh, the added caveat that Mike Tomlin today, Tuesday, said that he thinks Chase Claypool will practice Wednesday. If Claypool does practice and ultimately play, I think that means McLeod just doesn't really have much value. You mean yeah. we shouldn't have talked about Ray Ray McLeod? You were you were holding this information back from me, Katz. We've, he was we've, he's still worth talking about, but uh, okay, good. No, yeah, okay. if if Claypool is active, then there's nothing <laughs> there with McLeod. I really like where this conversation went because it's a really good point. When when a backup quarterback comes in, take a look at who the receivers are, and maybe there's some evidence, or, or look at what college they played for uh, with the receivers. If there is that kind of connection that they have with a backup receiver who is now thrust into that role, you could see a different dynamic. And I would love to go back if I had the time and if someone back there listening has time to do the research to figure out all those spot starting quarterbacks, uh, what kind of receivers they had at their disposal. And was there a propensity to target anyone who would have been on the uh, on the B team uh, going into the season? Um, uh, Tommy Garrett, Katz. Thank you both for being here. Again, this is BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network, In The Mood Podcast. You can find us on profootballnetwork.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Sign up for our free newsletter. Uh, give us shouts of any questions you have. We're going to be posting on the Facebook page in a couple hours. That is about 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, inviting folks to ask any starts uh, uh, waiver questions that you have. Uh, we get hundreds of comments on that page every single week. Um, thousands and thousands and thousands a year. We answer all of them. So feel free. Anytime you have questions, we are here for you. We look forward to seeing you next time.